You have the title there on your notes, what we're talking about, overcoming stress. How many got stressed out just reading that? You're like, oh, geez. Can I just tell you something? If we're going to do this spiritual growth, which is what our theme is, spiritual growth, that we're going to continue to grow. And there's parts of growth that we have to be able to look at what, where are we right now? We talked about that in the first week. Let's be honest with where we are. We got to be real. Because you don't know where, how to get to where you're going if, you're not, if you don't know where you are. We talked about that when you have directions. Someone gives you directions to their house. They need to know where you are so they can tell you accordingly how to get to their house. Okay, so we talked about that. We talked about knowing who we are. Knowing who we are in Christ. That our value and our identity is not caught up in anything that we do. Our identity and our value is based on Jesus. It's based on the fact that we belong to him. That's where our value is. It's not, it's not in the things we do. We're connected to God. This isn't in your notes, but in Luke, um, it's not, it won't be on the screen, but in Luke uh, 10, verse 19 and 20, um, it talks about the fact that, you know, we can rejoice. You can be excited that you have the power of the enemy, over the enemy. You can, you, can, you can walk in victory, you can walk in power, but he goes on to say, listen, don't rejoice that the enemy is subject to you. Don't rejoice in that authority. What he actually said is rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. In other words, you're not all excited because, hey, evil spirits obey me because I'm a child of God. I have authority. Look what I can do. No, you, you know where your value is? You're connected to Jesus. That's why the Bible says, listen, don't rejoice about that. I mean, it's great. And he did give us authority. But that's not what we rejoice about. We rejoice that, guess what? The creator of this world is my father. And I'm his son. And he, he is a good father. He promises to love me and protect me and help me and strengthen me and teach me. That's, that's who our father is. So that's what we rejoice. And we talked about that. And then uh, last week we talked about just how much God loves us. And we talked about all that Jesus went through. For us. You know, it was the Easter weekend, and we talked about the crucifixion. We talked about how love just came out of him. I mean, he's being whipped, and he's still thinking about forgiving the people hurting him. He's bleeding. He's, he's cut open. He's, he's a mess. He's got nails in his hands and his feet. And he's still thinking about other people, and he thinks about the thief beside him. And he's like, listen, your whole, his whole life was spent doing the wrong thing. And he calls on Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, you'll be with me today. Not like, well, if you would have done a little bit more, you might would have had a chance. He was like, no, you know what, you'll be with me. And then he, he looked down, and he even cared about his mom. He was like, John, remember mom. Take care of my mom. Hey, take care of John. Remember? Behold your mother. Behold your son. In other words, look after each other. He, he cared. And John was the disciple that was sitting there watching, the only disciple mentioned at the crucifixion. And it's interesting that John always talks about himself as the disciple Jesus loved. Why? Because he saw it. He witnessed it. Jesus, you did that for me. I really am loved. Like, I really am loved. And that, that was his identity after that. The disciple that Jesus loved. So we talked, about, we talked about that last week. This week, we're going to talk about how do we begin to walk some things out as we grow. And here's the thing I started thinking about this is what are, what are sometimes things that 
that hinder us. And a lot of times, you know, when, when people look at us, we want, to, we want people to see us growing and maturing in the things of God. But can I tell you one thing that we have to be on guard against? Is life. I mean, the way life happens. Listen, I wish I could tell you that life is always going to be easy, but it's not. It's not always going to be easy. Look at the scripture in John 16, verse 33. I have told you all this so you may have peace in me. So where's our peace? It's in him. Here on earth, not you might, not you could, but you will have many trials and sorrows. But then he doesn't just leave you there like, hey, bro, you're going to have a lot of stuff, man. See you. He didn't do that. He said, you know, so you're going to have some stuff, but take heart because I've overcome the world. I, I, know, I know how to overcome the world, and I'll help you. Remember the scripture talks about we're overcomers through Christ. Why? Because he overcome the world. So now with him in our life, we can overcome. But we are going to face difficulties at times. Look at this other scripture in Psalms 34, verse 19. <clears throat> the righteous person faces many troubles. One translation says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Affliction sounds harsh and painful. So I try to go easy on you and use the new living. Just some trouble. Just some trouble. But the Lord comes to the rescue each time. In other words, none of the things that you walk through will take you down. None of the things that, that the enemy brings, none of the things that come at you in life can take you down. Now, if you choose to give up and not follow the plans of God and you want to try it on your own, you'll be miserable. But as the righteous, as people who belong to God, connected in the family of God, you know what? There's hope. In every trial, in every trouble, in every difficulty, there's hope. There's hope. So when we, overcome, when we look at overcoming stress, we got to realize I'm not talking about the fact that you never have any difficulty. But what do you do when you do? How do you respond to where you overcome, to where you, you walk? Remember, it, it didn't say, yea, though you walk in the valley of the shadow of death. This is no, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, even when I face difficulty, I know that I'm going to make it. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, we talked, this, we talked about this last week. It talked about for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So he knew that as he would walk through this, the end result was going to be good. The end result was where he was going. And that was the part of we got to trust that God is going to see us through. Remember the disciples, they were in the boat. and Well, they weren't in the boat yet. They were getting in the boat. And Jesus said, hey, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. Okay, that's what Jesus said. This is in Luke. He says, get in the other boat. We're crossing to the other side. So the disciples get in the boat. They start heading to the other side. And what happens? The storm starts up. And then all of a sudden, these waves are hitting hard. The wind's blowing. And the disciples, all of a sudden, they look to Jesus. And what's Jesus doing? He's asleep. He's just resting. That storm just rocked him to sleep. That's all that was. The waves just, oh, yeah. He's out. The disciples are in panic, and they say to Jesus, they say to Jesus, help us. We're going to die. 
Like we're in this storm. How are you just sleeping? And in and, and one, and one, I think it's in Luke when he talks about it, he says he got up and he spoke to the wind and the waves. And he said, peace be still. And peace came. And then he talked to the disciples about their place of faith and, and trust me. Because here's what happened. Jesus told them at the beginning, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. So if Jesus tells you this is where we're going, I just want to encourage you that if you face a storm along the way, remember what Jesus said. Because he's always faithful to his promise. You'll get to the other side. Jesus said, I will provide for you. The Bible talks about Jesus as your provider. Jehovah Jireh, your provider. That's, that's, that's scriptural. That's who Jesus is. That's who God is. So when you're in a situation, you're thought, oh, man, I'm not seeing it. You can't give up because he's faithful. And sometimes he can seem like the slowest person to always be on time. But it, it, sometimes it seems like, hello, like any time now. But God's faithful. And when we go through stuff, we got to know we're, we'll go through it. We'll get through it. We will overcome. Galatians 6 9 says, do not get weary in doing the right thing. In due time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. If you don't give up. No one, I don't know anyone who plants a seed the next day is like, let's go pick some tomatoes. <laughs> I planted it yesterday. Let's go get them. You know, this is going to take time. There's things that have to happen. But you know because you know what you planted, you know what's coming. And you can be faithful to take care of it, to water, but you can still be excited because you know what's coming. You don't have to see it. You just know what's coming. That's where your faith comes into play. Right? You with me on that? Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith, it's, 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 your, it's like the one translation when it talks about when you look at it as far as what it really means in the Greek, there's part of it is talk about it's like a title deed. It's like, uh, it's like a confirmation. We talked to this before. If, you have a, if you're flying somewhere next week and you already have your ticket, then you already have your seat, and it's guaranteed because you have a confirmation that says, I will be on this flight. Now, you're not on the flight. You haven't even seen the plane. You haven't even seen the seat. You ain't even been to the airport yet, but you're already confident that you have a flight. Why? Because you have a confirmation. This word is God's confirmation to you. So when you struggle about will God provide, well, I have my confirmation number right here. That says, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches. I have a confirmation deed. I have a confirmation number. In Psalms 37, the righteous will never be forsaken. My God will not forsake me. I have the, the confirmation of that right here. That's, that's how we walk through some of these times. So you're going to face difficulty. There's going to be times where stress comes in, but you cannot allow stress to run your life. It's, it's, it's not good. Stress... Stress isn't even healthy to carry it. It's not. Now, here's, I looked in the, there's an American Institute of Stress or Stress Institute of something, something to do with studying on stress. And, um, and it says people have different ideas with respect to their definition of stress. The most common is physical, mental, or emotional tension. Another definition of stress is a condition or feeling experienced when a person perceives the demands exceed 
the personal social resources for the individual. So in other words, when you feel like something is too much for you, stress sets in. When you feel like it's out of your league, stress sets in. When you have too much going on, stress comes in. And it's that. And, and there's actually, you know, I, the, I think the thing, the, one of the things I read on there, there was a 80-something percent of visits to the doctor that are stress-related. It's huge. And part of it is because we don't know how to overcome it. But there is, there is listen, we are overcomers. There is a way to live to where stress doesn't rule your life. Because what, what happens when you're stressed? You, headaches. There's physical things that happen. Uh, irritability. You know, you can see some of the nicest people and put them in a stressful situation. And first thing that falls out is the niceness. And all of a sudden, it's like, where did the niceness go? Uh, I don't know. Listen, let's be honest. That person is, could be you and me. There's times when, when I'm just, man, I'm, I, got, I know what I need to do. I got time to get it all done. And then there's times where it's just overwhelming. And it's at those times I find myself being a little more, uh, should I say this nicely, harsh or uh, stern or let's make it more mean, <laughs> right? It happens. It happens. And that's why sometimes we, we have to be careful that we don't identify with, with not that we don't that we un, that we do understand that stress shows itself in different ways. Could it be that waitress that frustrated you is stressed out? Could it be that the 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 struggle that someone's having and they take something out on you that it's not you, it's the stress in their life? Could it be that you when you're stressed out? Treat people differently than what's really in your heart? Yeah, it happens. And we have, to, we have to learn. You know what, God? I want to represent you in good times, in difficult times, times where there's no pressure on me, times when there is pressure. Because if we, if we carry it, it's a weight. And Hebrews talks about not carrying, laying aside all these weights, all the stuff. We'll get to that in a second, but we gotta, we can't just carry this. Listen, the world, we are, as, as a world, as a nation, we are so stressed out. Some of the things, you know, and, and some of the things I was reading, here's some common causes of stress. Ready for the first one? People. <laughs> I told a pastor the other day, I said, ministry would be easy if it wasn't for people. You know, and, uh, and your job would be easier if you didn't have people. But at the same time, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing if there was no people. But people can be stressful. People can bring stress. You know? I won't break it down any further, but you're, the person that brings you stress could be sitting close to you right now. <laughs> Don't look at them. Don't look at them, but it could be them. But here's what I'm finding out is sometimes when we're stressed, everything about people stresses us out. And we think it's them but we're irritable, and we're, we're sensitive. 
Listen, I, let's just say that I could lift 500 pounds. That's what I thought I'd make myself feel strong for a second. Okay? But that's the max. I mean, I'm struggling. Do you know at that moment, two pounds would hurt? Right? If I'm doing everything I can and you just put a little more weight, it, I can't do it. And sometimes we live life with all this pressure and all this stuff, and that's why these little things are bugging us. These little, little things. You know, if you have a, you know, you're, you're pretty tough. You know, hey, I'm, I'm good. But you have this one place where you're, you know, you hurt your shoulder. And it's happened before. People had their shoulder hurt, and, and I didn't know. And sometimes, especially when I greet people, I'm like, hey, what's up, man? Sometimes I hit him on the shoulder. I'll never forget one guy. He comes out, and he didn't have it in his sling, and he should have, so it wasn't all me. But anyway, uh, I, won't, I ain't looking around. I ain't looking around, but not looking at all. So, so anyway, um, but I remember just saying, hey, what's up? And all of a sudden, it was like, ah! I was like, bro, I, what in the world? Yeah, I just, I just, oh, yeah, that hurt. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't that I'm so strong I just tore somebody's shoulder up. Because every other person's shoulder I touched, they were fine. The problem was there was already an injury. So when I touched it, it hurt worse and brought a reaction that was much worse. Can I tell you, if we don't deal with stress, we're going to react and we're going to have so much more pain in our life, something that wouldn't normally hurt us, that takes us down because we don't know how to deal with it. So we got we to deal, deal with it. People, jobs can cause stress. Money. And not just the lack of it. Sometimes the more you get, the more you want. You stress yourself out to keep getting more. And that's what the Bible says. The love of money is a root of evil. So, you, so money can be stressful. If you have physical problems, that could be stressful. Parenting can be stressful. Amen. Your kids are back there. Go ahead and say it. Yeah. You love them? You love them? You're like, I love you. I love you. But I would not mind someone watching you for a couple of days. You know what I mean? Be honest. Tell the truth. No, no, no. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about lying another week, but you know it. Here's another thing that can stress you out. Expectations of others. Either you have expectations that people don't fulfill and it stresses you out because you're not seeing everything the way you want to see it. But the other stressful thing is when people, you think people have an expectation of you and you try to live up to some kind of place of pleasing everybody. That's stressful. I can tell you that because I've struggled with it, of being a people pleaser. And when you have, when you have a lot of, you know, we have this many people in the church and you, and you want to please everybody, guess what? What pleases one person frustrates another. All right, let's sing this song because they like this song. Pastor, I hate that song. Oh, oh, okay. Well, what if we, I mean, you know, we don't have a whole lot of that here. That's just an example. Um, but reality is if you, a horrible example, if you please, if you go to please people, then you're not even being genuine, first of all. And then you're constantly trying to do something and you're living in this place of, over here, I got to be this way, and over here, I got to be this way, and to these people, I got to be this way. And that's why the freedom comes and the stress goes when you just decide, I have to be who God's called me to be, and I have to, I have to lead the way God's called me to lead. And can I tell you, if it was up to me, I would have done some things different in planning this church. It got really quiet. 
Like, oh, so you and God ain't on the same page. No, I'm saying with my understanding of how you plan a church, I know that sounded like I was, well, God, I would have done it different. Good try, God. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what I was taught and what, what I grew up in and what I've seen modeled in ministry of how to plan a church and how to do all that, it was different. God had different plans. So the, plan, the way God had it, it didn't bring a lot of heavy stress to me because I don't have to carry it. But the other side of it is if you want to please people, and, but God's saying, listen, I'm not concerned about everybody, everybody liking everything and pleasing everybody. I'm concerned about what's right and what do people need. And you know what this community needs? They need to be embraced, encouraged, equipped, and empowered. So that's what I want you to do. And that's, that's kind of how the process went. But in me, I'm like, okay, but God, if I did this, people would like really like this. Or, or, you know, we could probably get more people if we did this. But can I tell you, that would be me trying to please people. And here's what I found out. When I please God, he brings the right people. Amen. And my life is so much less stressed because God's bringing people. Because I've learned this in ministry. Whatever you do to draw people, you have to do to keep them. So if I come up with some great thing, then I'm going to have to keep coming up with some great thing. But if I just talk about the greatest thing, Jesus and his word, that's what keeps people. Because that, that's what we want. That's what we need. You with me? What else? Busyness. Busyness is stressful. If you need a definition of stressful, I'll break it down to you. I'll break the word in half. Full of stress. Stressful. That's what it is. And if you get so busy trying to do everything, you're going gonna to be full of stress all the time. If you're, so, if, you're, if you're just trying to, you know, I'm learning. I said that because I know that I still at moments struggle in it. But I'm learning that there is a healthy, there is a healthy, there's something healthy about saying no. But if you're a people pleaser, you struggle with it. But there is something healthy to be able to say, I can't, I can't do all that. Because everything you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. So if you keep saying yes to all these things, you're saying no to some of the right things. So, so you have to be able to say, you know what? I have too, I have too many things going on. You know, I... There's, we had this air conditioning unit at the church that we got repaired. And, and, and what happens is um, we added some, Chris, help me here, ducks, ductwork, added some different vents to it, right? I'm not sure what we did. <laughs> Let me just tell you, okay, let's just say you have this big thing that shoots out air, right? And the more little pockets that you're sending it out to, there's less pressure, because it's going in a whole lot of different directions. Right? If you have, if you're only sending to two vents, the pressure is much stronger than if you're sending to 22. So 22, they're all getting a little. <laughs> but in the two, whew, you're getting all kinds of air. 
And you know what? That's what's happening. So much. We, have, we have so much that we can do and so much God's called us to do. But if we get so busy trying to do everything else, then we're, 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 we're taking ourselves and spreading ourselves out to so many different things that nothing is getting much. And the things that need much, we're not giving much because we don't have much to give. And, and, and the sad thing is that some of our stress, we don't even recognize it. We don't even recognize it because here's what happens. We learn to cope with it in ways that doesn't overcome it. It just tries to suppress it. But it's still there. We, we can resort to, you know, you can resort to drugs. You can resort to alcohol. You can resort to a lot of different addictions. It doesn't take your stress away. It covers it for a short time, and then it adds to it. Because now everything you've tried to do, it doesn't take it away just gives you this feeling of, oh, okay, I'm thinking about it right now, and then all of a sudden it's back, and now you've added to it the consequences of things that come along with those addictions. Or we try to hide it. We try to pretend it's not there. I lived my life that way for a long time. I'm fine. There's a lot of ways that we try to cope with it, but it doesn't cope with it. It doesn't deal with it. And then we, you know, and sometimes I, I guarantee if, in my opinion, and I'm not referencing anyone in here, but I guarantee you some people try to cope with stress through Facebook and through Instagram and through all the social media that they feel like they can just do and say whatever because they're hiding behind a screen. And, and, then, and then they also feel like that they have to somehow make themselves look better and, and make them, you know, and it's all, it, it's, it's, it's not helping you at all. It's not helping you. So we, we have to be very careful at how we try to manage and even handle or deal with stress. Because we deal with, a lot of times, if, if it's dealt with the wrong way, it just adds to it. It just adds to it. And I've, I've tried different things and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'll tell you what works. Trusting God. When you begin to put your focus on God. That's, that's where it starts. So praying and, dev and uh, devotions. Let's go to Philippians 4. When you begin to put your attention on God, here's what happens. The Bible says don't worry about anything. So, so according to the scripture, it's saying don't worry about anything. Instead, so see, this is the cool part. Break this scripture down. Don't worry about anything. Okay, then what am I supposed to do? Well, instead of worrying, pray. Instead of worrying, pray. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Listen, he knows. Just tell him. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Then this what happened. Remember, like, there's this. I've said this before talking to people, but it's like, then. Okay, so when is then? Okay, it means after. When you, when you decide, I'm not going to worry about this, I'm going to pray about it first. And God, I just give this to you, and I thank you. The reason you thank him is because it reminds you of all his faithfulness. And then you're able to, your faith is lifted to say, you know what, God, you've been so faithful to me. You're going to take care of this. Because you're reminding yourself of how good he's been to you. So you pray, and you thank him. Then, this is what happens. You experience God's peace. Now, you've got to understand, some people just say, then you experience peace. It's not just peace. The world's peace is only the absence of trouble. 
God's peace is, is the same peace when there's no trouble, even when there is trouble, it's constant. That's God's peace. And his peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. Then how do you know you're in God's peace? Because in the natural, it doesn't even make sense to you. Okay, this is what I'm going through, and some reason, I'm at peace. Well, Billy Bob, today, we're doing away with your job. So we're going to have to, we're gonna have to lay you off today. If you, at that moment, say, okay, I'm not going to worry about this. God, I'm going to pray right now. Thank you, Lord, that you're my provider. God, I thank you. you. I've been in places before in my life where you showed up. You were faithful. God, I remember how faithful you've always been. So you know what? I trust you. You're going to be faithful to me. And then this peace comes. And that's the peace when everybody else is panicking. They're wondering, like, how can you be at peace right now knowing all that's going on? Well, that's not my peace. I have a different peace than you because I'm connected. And that's the peace that comes from God. And that peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Jesus, as you live there. His peace, it guards you. What do you think about when you think about some, guarding something? Protecting it. Peace will protect your heart. It will protect your mind from going down them rabbit trails of all the what ifs and how. and This ain't going to work. I'm not going to be able to eat. I'm not going to be able to. Peace will guard that. Peace will just stand there at the gate of your heart and your mind saying, God's got this. Nope. We ain't. That thought's not coming in here. Nope. Nope. Not here. Peace is guarding this. That's what happens when you really put it in God's hands. Isaiah 26.3 says this about God. Referring to God, it says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. It didn't say, hey, every now and then you'll give me some peace. No, he says, listen, this is what it says, God, you will keep me. You will keep me there. Wouldn't it be nice, even in difficult, stressful situations, wouldn't it be nice for you just to have this sense of peace all the time? Wouldn't that be wonderful? That nothing could take your peace. If you're in a storm, you can rest just like Jesus did, knowing God's got a promise for me. Just be at peace. Just trust. God's got it. John 14, 1. No, I'm sorry. Go back to Joshua 1. Yeah. Joshua 1, verse 8 and 9. Study this book of instruction continually, referring to the word. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Listen to this next statement. Only then, when you're in the word... Only then will you prosper succeed in all you do. Verse 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or be discouraged. This is how you can be strong. Talking about being strong in the Lord. It refers to that earlier. Be strong in the Lord. Then it says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, I grew up. This will surprise some of y'all. I grew up sometimes a little mischievous. Okay. I grew up doing some things that I probably shouldn't have done, um, you know, and playing pranks and just taking it too far. And 
but when I was in college, there were certain things, even I was in Bible college, but there was little uh, pranks I thought would be funny. Uh, I knew that we weren't supposed to. I knew the rules, but I just thought, this should be kind of funny, though. And, um, and I was an immature freshman. And, but any time I wanted to do something, even just silly stuff like, you know, put shaving cream on the payphone and go down and call it. And the RAs who always yell at us, they come answer the phone at 2 in the morning. They got shaving cream in their mouth and their ear. And we're just, Arr! or we turn the vending machine around to their door so they can't get out. And we throw quarters at them, ask them for drinks. Just simple little things just to, just to irritate them. But one thing is I always, I never wanted to get in trouble by myself. I was the person, like, if I'm going down, someone's going with me. Whenever I got in trouble, there were people with me all my life. So I would get four or five guys like, hey, one o'clock in the morning, man, let's get up. Let's run down to this. Let's, you know, do this and do this. Like, yeah, man, yeah, 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 yeah. Because there was numbers, I felt I would do stuff because I had people with me. I I felt stronger. I felt better. Well, here's what happens at the end of my freshman year. Everybody knew Jenkins, you know, he was a little troublemaker. Not trouble, but just, you know, mischievous or whatever. Well, they announced in chapel service that I'm the RA for next year as a sophomore. And people are cracking up laughing. And they're like, you're an RA? Yeah, the president of the school called me in his office and says, listen, we're frustrated. The dean is frustrated with how you've acted. But one thing that we have picked up on is you... You get people to follow you. So what we're asking you is to start leading them in the right direction. Yes, sir. So the next, next year, I'm an RA. People are like, Jenkins, you're an RA? I'm like, yeah, cool, man. We're gonna. I'm like, nope. You be in your room at 10 o'clock. Don't you come out? Wow, put you away for four days. Don't you know what it's supposed to be about? You know. And a whole thing changed in me. But here's what stood out to them. I'll never forget it because it, I, I realized it myself. I was always stronger with other people. If no one was with me, I wouldn't have done any of it. But if people are with me, I thought, hey, this will be fun. Let's go do it. And that's what happens in life. Now, you should do the right things. Okay, so that's where that illustration maybe was a little off. But (laughs) the bottom line is, here's the reality. When you have people with you, you're stronger. You really are. You're stronger if you have people with you. You hear a noise. If I hear a noise at the house, I'm like, Patty, get that. But if I go with her, she's stronger. I'm just kidding. I'll go, but I'll like, come get behind me just in case. You know, but that's really how it is. You just, there's strength in numbers, right? You with me? Does that make sense? Please forgive me for that horrible uh, example I was as a Bible college student, but God's grace is good. His mercy is good. And here I am today by the grace of God. Okay, so there is strength in numbers. So we have to trust As we get to know God, listen, here's what happens. You get to know him and how much he loves you, and guess what? You begin to trust him. And look at these scriptures real quick. Let's go to um, to 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8, under the trusting God. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. At the right time, he'll lift you up. So here's a place of humility, recognizing that you don't have everything that it takes. Humble yourself before God. And then give all your worries and your cares to God. Why? Because he cares about you. He doesn't want you carrying all that. And then here's the next thing. Stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy. And he tells you who it is. It ain't a person. It's the devil. 
And the devil is going to be the one, when you give your cares to the Lord, the devil is going to be the one to try to put those right back on you and tell you, you still got to handle this. This is still your thing. This is still your responsibility. But when you give it to God, you got to leave it with him. And you got to trust him that he'll take care of it. That's why sometimes we look at that scripture or we'll talk about cast your cares. When you put them all together, it's saying humble yourself because you don't have as much as you think you do um, on your own. Humble yourself before God. He will be the one who lifts you up. Give all your cares and concerns, your worries, give it to him. And then be alert because the enemy is going to try to bring it right back to you. And you got to be alert and you got to be aware of that. John 14, 1. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust, in, trust also in me. That's what Jesus says. He's saying, look, don't let your heart be troubled. If your heart's troubled, here's what Jesus is saying. Don't let it be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 through 8. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. Then it says this about those people. They're like trees planted along riverbanks with roots that deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried about long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. If you trust in God, even in the midst of difficulty, you're still going to shine. You're still going to produce fruit. You're still going to have life the way God intended you. That's what the Bible says. When your confidence is in God, even in difficult times, the leaves stay green. You never stop producing fruit. The fruit that comes from your life will come from your life, not just in times when there's no struggle, but even in times of struggle, fruit will still come and manifest. Here's another thing that will help you keep an eternal mindset. Listen, we're here for just a short time. Matter of fact, I think it's James, in four, it's James 4, 14 or somewhere around there. It says that our life, it's like a vapor. I mean, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. It's a short time that we're on earth. Compared to eternity, this is just a dot. So we can't base everything on one little dot on the map. We've got to keep an eternal mindset. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's what Hebrews 12 verse 2 says. It says, keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's where our eyes are supposed to be. Look at this other scripture in 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 16 through 18. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We have to make sure that we're not putting all of our focus and all of our hope in this, what this world offers us. Because this world will fade away. We have to put our hope in the things that we cannot see. In our faith in God and his promises and in his word. That's where we're supposed to put our faith. Look at John 14. Again, verses 1 through 3. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now listen to this. I'm going to go further with what Jesus said. He said, trust in God, trust also in me. Then listen, look where he goes. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it weren't so, I would have told you that I would, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then verse 3, when everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I'll never forget, I learned that in Sunday school when I was six years old. 
Every Sunday we started with John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And I never forgot that scripture. But now, as 47 years old, I've started putting it with this idea that God is saying, listen, when you go through trouble, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust me. Trust in Jesus. And let me remind you that I have a place for you in heaven, that I'm preparing for you because of our relationship, that you're going to come and all this stuff that you see is going to fade away. All the trouble that you feel is going to fade away. All the pain that you've endured is going to be gone. All the tears that you've cried are going to be wiped away. All the sadness that you've experienced is going to be turned to gladness. All the difficulty you face will no longer be. And it's this place of hope to say it's not just about just trust in God. He's like, here's how you trust in God. Remember who God is, that he loved you and he sent Jesus, and that you have hope for eternity with him. That's what we got to keep our eyes on. we got to keep our eyes on eternity. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at the right hand. And then he says this, think about things of heaven, not things of earth. Can I put it to you, very practical? Do you care if I just get personal just for a second? You guys know for me and my family what we're believing for Zach, who's doing amazing. Right, Zach? Stand up, buddy. Come here, hurry up. Come here. This is my buddy right here. Do you know there's been things I've prayed over him, desired for him? But can I tell you that I know what his future is like? And it's awesome. And we're going to be standing like this in heaven. Free of anything, free of sickness, disease, lack, struggle, any of it. When I keep my mind on that, man, I got no problems. If I just look at every little circumstance here and there, it could, it could be a struggle. But I think, you know what? God, when we get to heaven, now listen, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm not giving up on what I believe now. But I'm also not limiting to what I see now to what the future looks like for him. This dude's graduating high school in June. You know, there's no greater joy as a dad than seeing him play up here on the worship team. There's no greater joy because people said, you know, he's not going to be able to do stuff like that. Hello. He is. And God's not finished with him. But can I tell you the hope I have is that God is going to continue to bring to completion the work that he started. And I also know that this man right here will be with me forever in heaven. And he'll be with you. And I don't get caught up in what I see now and what I don't see. Because it ain't about just what I see here. It's about what I see there. Thank you, buddy. You remember when Jesus said, look, when he talks about how to pray, he says, pray not, you know, let your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. In other words, I'm not saying that earth, what I'm saying is the things of heaven, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we would have that mindset of understanding that eternity is what matters. Eternity is what matters. And we got to be able to just understand that and know that and stop basing our hope and our joy on, on what's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. The things of this world, they're going to be gone. If your hope's in it, then your hope's going to be gone. You know, the, and then the, the last thing, too, that, that helps us is just, you know what, let people help you. Let people encourage you. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12 it says that a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two stand back to back, what do they do? Conquer. That's what I was talking about earlier. There's strength when we have if we allow other people into our journey. Proverbs 17, 17. It says, A friend is always loyal. Friend loveth at all times. And a brother is born to help in time of need. You know what some reason why we stay overwhelmed with stress is because we handle it all by ourselves. We think there's something wrong for stress, so we ain't gonna tell nobody. But can I just tell you, when you when you struggle, the best thing you can do is have someone with you. Because when you fight alone, you're in trouble. You stand back to back, you conquer. If somebody else helping you, you conquer. You conquer. And I close with this scripture in Second Thessalonians. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace. At all times, in every situation, the Lord be with you all. Amen.